Good morning, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, and all others who may come by to listen. You're welcome here. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you are. Jesus loves you. I love you. I pray that somebody is in your path trying to lead you. If you're here, it's not by mistake. This channel is all about Jesus and waiting for him and trying to wake people up to the times that we're in. And you know, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and dive into the second half of this study on breaking generational curses. I pray that you're blessed with open eyes and open ears to receive whatever message Father has for you to receive today. In Jesus' almighty name. Let's begin. We're told we have a better covenant established on better promises. Do you think on that basis we could offer less than the Israelites? But I'll say this one thing. Stinginess toward God brings a curse. It is very poor economy to be stingy with God. And I tell Christians everywhere, when the offering comes around, God does not need your tips. Another specific source of curses is men who speak on behalf of God as God's mouthpiece. And there are many examples of this Amen. in the Bible. We'll only look at just a few. The first is found in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 26. After Israel had captured and destroyed Jericho. Joshua, the leader of God's people and God's mouthpiece, pronounced a curse on anybody who would subsequently rebuild a city on that site. In Joshua 6, 26, then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. That's a very specific curse, not a general curse, but the form that the curse would take would be that the person who rebuilt Jericho, it would cost him the lives of two, his, two of his sons. Now I'm sure most of the Israelites forgot that curse. It just receded into history. But about 500 years later, in the reign of Ahab, king of Israel, a man did just that thing on which Joshua had pronounced a curse. And this is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 16. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause this right here, uh, brothers and sisters, because it's important to, to really listen and really gain understanding about curses and blessings, right? And Curses, you know, people always want to get mad at God and... And oh, why does he do this? And why does he allow this? And why do we get cursed? And why is that a thing? You have to understand that there is spiritual law established before you were ever created. Before mankind was created, God already had his spiritual laws established within his realm. And for us to be, for us to be able to go to a place that is holy where his light will light us up. We have to become more like him. We have to break these curses. We have to pay attention. And if we were a people after his own heart, if we were a people that truly wanted to battle everything, we'd stay in the word. We'd stay in the word so that we would be aware. 
of what was to come if we didn't listen. The Israelites, all through the Old Testament, you, you could see where they just kept messing up. And God just kept giving them grace, right? He just kept trying. He just kept trying to show them, hey, just listen to me. <laughs> Anyways, let's continue. In the reign of Ahab, 1 Kings 16, and the last verse of the chapter, verse 34, in his days, that's the days of Ahab, Heel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Sigub, he set up its gates, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. The marginal translation says, at the cost of the life of his son. And uh, most modern translations follow that. So the man who went against the curse pronounced by Joshua 500 years earlier, it cost him the lives of two of his sons. Now I want to go on to other sources of curses. And the next one is very important and very little understood by contemporary Christians. I call it persons with relational authority. That is, persons who have authority because of a relationship. Now, authority is a very unpopular concept in many places, places and parts of the world today, but the fact remains, it's still real. Authority is not created by man, it proceeds from God. And there are many different relationships in which a person has authority. Now, you may, not, may or may not like it, but a husband has authority over his wife in certain contexts. <laughs> Parents have I authority over their children. I know a lot of you are children. rolling your eyes. Teachers have authority over their pupils. Pastors have authority over their congregations, just to take a few examples. Now, because of the... Let me just pause this for my sisters listening, uh, or any, any uh, women that are listening that might be uh, put off by that comment, that statement that women are to be submissive, you know, to the authority of their husbands. That isn't to make women feel less than. We were created emotional to be taken care of by a man, and there's nothing wrong with that. We are fair, right? We are emotional, we are soft, and men were made masculine and strong, and there's nothing wrong with that. What a beautiful design that is. So please don't take it any type of way like it's, you know, a derogatory thing to submit or to say that your husband has authority over the wife, you know. It's a real thing and it it helps to create a harmonious union if you listen to God's law. So anyways, let's continue. Authority relationship. Words spoken by those persons to those under their authority have special supernatural power, whether they're blessings or whether they're curses. And if you look at the Bible, you'll find that second to the blessing of God, the most important blessing that any person could ever have in his life was the blessing of his father or her father. That's still true today. I say to any of you whose fathers are alive, do everything in your can, in your power, everything you can to obtain the, the blessing of your father. 
and your mother, but primarily your father. It makes a lot of difference. When I was saved, I'm afraid I had a bad attitude toward my parents. I thought, they're not saved, I'm saved, they don't understand, I do understand. I praise God he rebuked me for it. And he showed me that I could not expect his blessing if I didn't honor my parents. And Amen. Let me pause that again, uh, brothers and sisters, because that doesn't mean... So to honor your parents, it's important. It's God's law, right? It doesn't mean if you had like a horrible childhood that, you know, or your parents did something to you that you're just supposed to be, let it all bounce off you, right? You're supposed to take it to God. We're all under influences of things we can't see. Our parents didn't know better, right? I believe it's really important right now, beloved, to let that anger go. If you're holding on to something from the past, if, if somebody's hurt you, if I've hurt you, I hope you're able to let that go. Because the person I used to be and the person that many people used to be isn't who they are now. And if your heart has hardened towards people, that becomes your sin. And I pray I haven't done that to anybody. Anyways, let's continue. Before they died, I had shown them the honor that was appropriate. I don't believe otherwise I could have ever enjoyed the blessing of God in my life and ministry. Now let's consider a few other possible examples. And most of these are constructed out of situations that I have actually dealt with, but I've kind of changed a little so that I don't expose the identity of people. Let's take a father. This is perhaps the commonest of all. A father has three sons. The first is the firstborn, because he's always welcome. The third, the youngest, is brilliant. But the middle one is neither firstborn nor brilliant. And he has a lot of the same characters, characteristics that his father has. Have you ever noticed when people are bad, uh, and they're bad in the way that we're bad, we like to take it out on them rather than ourselves? Have you ever noticed that? Parents, if you pick on one of your children, it's probably the one that's most like you, if you knew it. What you're objecting to is what's in you that you don't like. Anyhow. Amen. It's true. So the, husband, the father says to this second time, you'll never succeed. You'll always be a failure. You'll never make it. What's that? It's a curse. And I've dealt with many men in their 40s and 50s who were still struggling against words spoken by a father before they were teenagers. Or let's say the father has a daughter, 15, like some young ladies are 15, she has acne. And the father has to drive her to school every day. And every day she's up there in the bedroom putting things on her pimples. And so she's late. And so the father gets exasperated. And one day he says, you'll never get rid of those pimples. You'll have pimples for the rest of your life. Fifteen years later, she's a married woman with children of her own, and she is still struggling with her acne. Why? Because of a curse. Let's take about teachers. A teacher has a pupil who can't spell. Maybe he's got what they call dyslexia. You know, you put the...
and pausing again beloved i believe it's really 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 important to pay attention to the words that you speak to people and understand that in the spirit realm speaking things is curses or blessings so if you speak negative over people that you love right then you're cursing them if you say things like oh you're never gonna this excuse the noise in the background i have my door open it's the middle of the night but there's um i'm not far from a highway um so i think it's really important to pay attention to the words that you speak over the people you love you don't want to get stuck saying negative things and i still do it and it's still the battle for me you know don't say things that you don't want to come to fruition i guess speak it like that you know be aware be aware Let's break these curses, right? Let's break these curses by by loving right, and by giving everything to Father, and by walking in His Word, and walking right by Him so that we can be in His graces and receive His blessings. Let's continue. That is the wrong way around. <coughs> You're silly. You're stupid. You just don't try, Hamad. You'll never succeed. Now, I know teachers shouldn't talk like that, but sometimes they do. They do. And what's the result? A child, a boy or a girl that never can make it in life. Ruth and I have a friend. A teacher said to her when she was a teenager, you're shallow. She's now, I think, in her 60s, or at least in her late 50s. And we discovered that she, all her life she's been struggling against that statement, you're shallow. And the strange thing about it is if anybody doesn't deserve that statement, it's that lady. She is far from shallow. Do you see? There's authority behind those statements, and that makes them powerful. Usually speaking, there's a demonic uh, element. Just show you one thing in James chapter 3, which is very important. James 3 Verses 14 and 15. But if you have bitter envying and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, soulish, demonic. In other words, if your attitudes are wrong and your reactions are wrong and you speak, what's going to come out will have a demonic element in it. Then we come to another tremendously important area. Perhaps the most common of all, what I call self-imposed curses. People pronounce curses on themselves. In Genesis chapter 27, we have the story of how Isaac was going to bless uh, Esau and the mother, Rebekah, who was the first Yiddish mama, if you know what a Yiddish mama is, uh, switched them and she got Jacob acting like Esau and claiming the blessing. Jacob wasn't reluctant, but he was afraid. And he said this in verse 11. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. She took on herself the curse that would have been due to Jacob. A self-imposed curse. 
Now, if you go to the end of the chapter, just the last verse, you find Rebecca beginning to use very negative language about herself. Rebecca said to Isaac in verse 46, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like those who are daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? I'm tired of living. What's the good of living? That's a typical statement by somebody who's under a curse. See? Never permit yourself to say that. Don't make negative statements about yourself. Don't say, I'll never be able to do this. I never succeed. I'm no use. I'm a failure. I just can't take it anymore. And then you go on and you say, I wish I were dead. I'd be better off dead. Do you know what you're doing? You're inviting the spirit of death. And he doesn't take many invitations. Ruth and I have dealt with countless people who needed to be delivered from the spirit of death because they'd invited it. They'd imposed a curse upon themselves. And we've learned one beautiful verse that will help, that has helped hundreds of people. And I'll share it with you. Psalm 118, verse 17. I shall not die, but live and declare or proclaim the works of the Lord. If you have made a negative remark about yourself, if you have imposed something negative on yourself, you need to revoke it by the positive. You see, as a remarkable example, you know that Peter denied three times he knew the Lord. Later on, after the resurrection, beside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had a personal talk with Peter. And three times he said, do you love me? He made Peter affirm three times that he loved him. Why did he do that? Because Peter had to revoke the negative statements he'd made before the crucifixion. See? So if we've said something negative and brought some dark shadow over us, we need to revoke the negative and replace it by the positive. And this verse is a perfect one. I shall not die doesn't mean you'll never die, but it means Satan's not going to kill you before your time. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Then the next common cause of curses is what I call unscriptural covenants. Exodus 23 verse 32, in relationship to the people whom Israel was to dispossess from the land of Canaan. That is, all of them, idol worshippers. People who lived in total rebellion against the living God. Moses said, Exodus 23, 32, You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. You understand, if people have false gods, and you make a covenant with those people, you are also making a covenant with their gods. Now, I'm going to say something that I trust will not offend anybody. And I say it simply because my desire is to help people. One extremely common example of that in our contemporary culture in the Western world is Freemasonry. Because a person who becomes a Mason makes a covenant with those who are Masons. Freemasons will tell you that it's secret, but it's not. In the 1950s, a book was published in Britain by an Anglican clergyman named Hannah called Darkness Visible. 
which sets out all the main rites and ceremonies of Freemasonry, and no Mason has ever challenged that book in more than 30 years. Uh, when you become a Mason, you have to pronounce a curse on yourself if you disclose the secrets of the Masons. And it includes things like having your tongue cut out, your right arm cut off and thrown over your left shoulder, and yeah. your body being exposed in a tight place where the tides rise and fall twice in every 24 hours. Those are self-imposed curses. And that Freemasonry is an idol religion is clear in the 32nd degree, the Royal Arch degree, which acknowledges and offers worship to a person called Jabulon, J-A-B-U-L-O-N, which is a combination of Jehovah, Baal, and Osiris. And so the true God of the Bible is joined together with two idol deities whom God has totally condemned. And when you make a covenant with that, you're making a covenant with those gods. There are other ways that this kind of curse can come in uh, tribal societies. Very commonly, a baby or a young person is initiated into the tribe by certain rites. Very often, there are um, cuts made on the skin or powder inserted under the skin. And that exposes that person to the curse that's on the idolatry that's the, the, the focus of that tribe. And then there are curses pronounced by servants of Satan. In a, an African Christian church, two elders fell out with one another. And this may seem strange to you, but it's quite common in Africa. The one elder went to the witch doctor to get him to put a curse on the other elder, okay? And uh, when he did that, the witch doctor was very happy to oblige because it was a Christian, you see. And this is what he did. He went out somewhere into the bush, got some soil of a certain kind, brought it back, smeared it over a hand mirror and then he said to the elder now wipe the soil away and tell me what you see and he looked in the mirror and saw the man the face of the man on whom he wanted to curse in the mirror now the witch doctor said take a knife and cut it through the mirror and he did and when he did that blood appeared on the mirror and when the elder returned, he discovered the other elder was dead. What would you call that, see? You couldn't call it murder. Can you understand why the Bible prohibits witchcraft? Amen. Jesus said, Behold, I give to you authority over all the power of the enemy. He didn't say the enemy doesn't have power. He said, I'll give you authority over that power. That's the realistic approach. Amen. Yeah, not just one interesting example, because this is something that's unfamiliar to many Westerners. In the conflict between David and Goliath, when David went out with his sling and no armor, Goliath was angry and insulted. And this is what happened. First Samuel 
1743. So David, so the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Do you understand? Before they joined in battle, he invoked his idol gods. And David replied, I'm not coming to you in my own name, but in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. See, it was a fight between gods. And uh, you know who was victorious. But I just want to point out to you that Satan's servants have power to curse. Again, I could illustrate it from examples of people that we personally have helped. One final way in which a curse can come. Stated in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 26. The previous verse says about the inhabitants of Canaan. You shall burn their carved, the carved images of their gods. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on it. And then it says, verse 26, Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it, but you shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. So when you bring anything that's associated with idolatry or the occult into your house, you're opening the way for a curse to come into your home. Again, this is something we deal with frequently. I tell people, and after such a service as this, if you believe you've needed deliverance from a curse, you better go home and check what you've got in your home. Check if there's anything there that advertises any other God but the Lord Jesus Christ. My personal principle is I don't want anything in my home that dishonors Jesus Christ. Because uh, let me give one quick example. We often have cases where parents tell us that the children don't sleep well at night. They're restless, they cry, they're frightened. Now one common reason for that is that somewhere in that house is something which gives Satan right of access. You need to go through your house from top to bottom, clean out anything that's associated with the outcome. Any kind of superstitious thing. If you have horse, horseshoes to ward off ill luck, that's superstition. It doesn't ward off ill luck, it opens the door for Satan. All right, now we come to the really important climax, which is how to be released from a curse. And I want to give you some simple instructions. When you've met the conditions, all right? But resisting is sometimes an ongoing process. It's like if there's a strong wind blowing, you have to keep the door shut, see? If you open the door, the wind will come in. Then I say, establish a clear scriptural basis for your release. <clears throat> the best one is Galatians 3.13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having become a curse for us, that we might receive the blessing of Abraham give you a few other scriptures. Ephesians 1, 7, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Colossians 1, 12 through 14, the Father has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom 
we have redemption through his blood. So through the work of Jesus on the cross, we can be delivered from the domain of darkness, that's Satan's domain, and translated, carried over into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's like there are two territories and there's a chasm between them. This territory is the territory of Satan. This territory is the kingdom of God. But there's only one bridge across that chasm, and that's the cross of Jesus. If you take that bridge, you can get out of this kingdom and into that kingdom, which is where God wants you. Then 1 John 3, verse 8, the second part. For this purpose the Son of God was revealed that he might, what? Destroy the works of the devil. To do what? Amen. Destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. And then Luke 10, 19, which I quoted earlier. Jesus says, Behold, I give to you authority over all the power of the enemy. So those are very clear scriptural bases. Then, when you've established that basis, confess your faith in Christ. Because Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Amen. It's on the basis of your confession, what you say about him, that he acts as your high priest. Thirdly, commit yourself to obedience. You remember? How do we qualify for the blessings? What do we have to do? Hear God's voice, do what he says. So when you've received your release, make up your mind, commit yourself from now on, I'm going to listen to what God says and do it. The next step is confess any known sins, either by yourself or your ancestors. Because the sins of your ancestors. I'm going to pause that, uh, beloved, uh, because... One thing I did and continue to do since uh, Father woke my spirit up is repenting for sin and things that I had done in the past that I wasn't sorry for or never repented for or, you know, it's really important to clean your robe, right? To be able to call yourself out on everything you've done. Because you have, to, you have to humble yourself. You have to understand you've done things. And all sin in the eyes of our Father is equal, right? But I also wanted to say, try not to get caught up on things like what you're struggling with, right? When you commit to change, the devil's going to come for you. When you commit to trying to change something about yourself to walk better with God, the devil's going to make that almost impossible for you to stop. You know, he's going to put things in your path that bring you back to the same habit. So if you get caught up on things like works, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do better. I'm going to, I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes. If that's what you do, I'm going to stop smoking weed. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop this. Well, also, if that's the way you want to live, you got to think, oh, well, you can't have coffee because it alters your state of mind. Oh, well, you can't have sugar because it gives you a rush, like like a drug, you know. So I just want to say, don't get caught up on the works. Father knows your heart. Draw near to him and let him help you. He's helping me with so much right now because he can. He can do anything. And in some ways affect you. But there's a difference. You are not guilty for your ancestors' sins. 
but you're affected by them. You understand? Amen. Amen. You are responsible for your own sins. But in order to be fully clear, if you are know that your ancestors were idol worshippers or Christian scientists or Mormons or let's not go too long into this, but something that's totally unscriptural, be released from it. Then you need to forgive all other persons. Amen. Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, what did he say to do? Forgive. That's right. Anything against anyone. That leaves out nothing and no one. Unforgiveness in your heart is a barrier to the answer to your prayers. Now, forgiving, forgiving is not an emotion. It's a decision. Amen. I tell people, it's tearing up the IOU then you must renounce all contact with the occult, okay? By yourself or by your ancestors. Again, you're not responsible, you're not guilty for what your ancestors have done, but it affects you. Then you must get rid of all contact objects, the things I've been speaking about. If you bring them into your house, you bring a curse with them. Then when you've met those conditions, you can release yourself in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. Now we're going to do that in a moment. But I want to show you where to go from there. When you've been released, then you have to confess and expect the blessing of Abraham. Because we're released from the curse that we may receive the blessing of Abraham. And so Ruth and I are going to make our, one of our commonest confessions as a pattern to you. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we have passed out from under the curse and entered into the blessing of Abraham, whom God blessed in all things. How many things? All. Do you want that blessing? God has provided it for you. We'll, we'll probably do that again. Thank you, sweetheart. Remember that, that it's cute. the blessing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit who administers the blessing. That's important. You've got to be friends with the Holy Spirit. See, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, if you don't honor the Holy Spirit, He withholds the blessing. He's got the key to God's storehouse. If you want the treasures, make friends with the keeper of the storehouse. And then, as I've said already, bear in mind that it's in all things. You won't get it all in one night, but you've qualified it for, for it in one night. You understand? If I can put it like this, some of you are going the wrong direction. Tonight, you can make a U-turn. Start going the right direction. But that doesn't mean you've arrived. You're on the way. You have to keep that direction. You have to keep hearing and doing what God says if you want to continue in the blessing of Abraham. And you have to keep making the right confession. I think I won't make it, let you say it now, I'll wait. Now, if there are those of you here this evening who feel that in some way there's the shadow of a curse over your life and you want to be released, I want to lead you in a prayer of release. You remember the story that I told you of Miriam who read the prayer and was completely healed. Now, I'm not promising you healing. 
That's in God's hands. Amen. But if your sickness is directly due to a curse, if you're released from the curse, you qualify for healing from your sickness. So those of you that would like me to lead you, Amen. Let's let's follow. Just a few moments left. Let's follow along, brothers and sisters. I'd like you to stand to your feet, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. First of all, we've established a clear scriptural base. Okay, I gave you the scriptures. Now, you need to confess your faith in Christ, commit yourself to obedience, confess any known sins of yourself or your ancestors, and when we do that, I'll give you a few moments to confess them silently. Then forgive all other persons, and I'll give you a few moments to do a little forgiving. And then renounce all contact with the occult by yourself or your ancestors. Commit yourself to get rid of all contact objects, and then release yourself in the name of Jesus. All right? Now, I'm just going to give you the words. You're not praying to me. You're praying to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the one that answers, not I. I don't have the power. He does. All right. Say these words after me. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Son of God. And the only way to God. And the only way to God. That you died on the cross for my sins. That you died on the cross for my sins. And rose again from the dead. And rose again from the that dead. On the cross you were made a curse. And on the cross you were made a curse. With every curse that is due to me. With every curse that is due to me. That I might be redeemed from the curse. That I might be redeemed from the curse. And enter into the blessing. And enter into the blessing. Lord, I confess any sins. Lord, I confess any sins. Committed by me. Committed by me. Or by my ancestors. Or by my ancestors. I ask your forgiveness. I ask your forgiveness. I also forgive every other person. I also forgive every other person. Whoever harmed me or wronged me. Whoever harmed me or wronged me. I forgive them as I would have God forgive me. I forgive them as God forgave me. I also forgive myself. I also forgive myself. I renounce all contact with the occult in any form. I renounce all contact with the occult in any and form. And I commit myself to get rid of any contact objects. And I commit myself to get rid of any contact objects. And now, Lord, having received by faith your forgiveness. And now, Lord, having received by faith your with forgiveness. With the authority I have as a I now release myself. I now and release those myself. under my authority. And those under my authority. From any curse over our lives. From any curse over our lives. Right now. Right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare release. I declare release. I claim it. I claim it. And I receive it by and faith. I receive it by faith. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now I'll begin to thank him. That's the surest expression of Amen. faith. Amen. And what a beautiful prayer, and I, and I pray you've received it. I pray you received the message, brothers and sisters. And if you haven't already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and accepted what he did on the cross for you, then I implore you to do it today. Start your relationship with your Lord and Savior. It matters more than anything else you will do. There are curses on your generations. Let's get them broken. 
We're in times that require your attention. I'm simply trying to share things with you guys to give you tools to fight the battle. I am not the only one feeling weak right now by things happening. Let's gain strength together, brothers and sisters. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Don't forget. I pray you all have a wonderful day. I pray you're blessed abundantly. I pray that Father has met all your needs. And if you don't have it, chances are you don't need it. (laughs) God bless you in Jesus' almighty name. What a wonderful, wonderful king we serve. Bless Father. Bless our Lord. I love you, brothers and sisters. Until next time.